Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm not on the endangered species list. I'm David. Are you sure? No. no. <laughs> well, that's all of humanity, is Much it? like these birds, I also haven't been seen in 40 years. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Relatable. Unless I'm some sort of neo-sapien or something. But I doubt it. So yeah, this is the seventy fourth. This is endangered species. The seventy fourth episode of Rescue Bo- Transformers Rescue Bots. Uh, the th- the twenty second episode of season three. We're getting close to the end. First aired May twenty third, twenty fifteen. Uh, written by Andrew Robinson, who is not the guy who played uh, Garrick on Deep Space Nine. Aw. This is Andrew R. Robinson. Oh. oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just have to pretend that Garrick wrote this episode anyway, because it's more fun. Uh, he was notably the guy who wrote all three of the lockdown episodes uh, of Transformers Animated. Oh, the one guy who really liked lockdown. Yes, like he's the lockdown guy. Call him when there's a lockdown, when Tesmer <laughs> wants to sell lockdown toys. Yes. Uh, he previously wrote Bugs in the System. Okay. Uh, that was the episode Dr. where Doctor Morocco had like an evil ant farm. Yes. Oh, right, the one where he was Ant Man. Yeah. yeah, right. Not that not to be confused with one where he had an alien ant farm, which just made a really bad cover of Smooth Criminal. Yes, <laughs> I got that. David did not. Thank you. I sort of got it. I vaguely remember songs. I forget what soundtrack that was on. I mean, it, I'm sure it was on, like, a dozen soundtracks of mm. approximately the year 2002. Yes. Mm. Anyway, and, uh, yes, we open in Blossom Vale, the, uh, the the most beautiful natural spot of Griffin Rock. Is this is this a My Little Pony tie-in? Where did it feels they- no. like it? There was pre... We were here previously, right? Yes, in that episode, uh, Spellbound, where everybody got, like, hypnotized to, like, wreck it. Oh, it's just the Blossom Vale sounds so much like, oh, this is a place in My Little Pony. <laughs> it does sound it like does a place. It does sound in- like a, yeah, it does sound like a place in My Little Pony, but yeah. I don't know enough about My Little Pony lore to confirm or deny. Yeah, and, and spoiler, this place is about to get wrecked up again. <laughs> Man, can't catch a break. Wrecked up by the most dangerous, most, most degenerate, deplorable grade of people on Earth. Bird watchers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, sort of an odd turn for this episode, but yeah, the bird watchers the, can be the absolute scum of humanity. Bird watchers. <laughs> well, bird watchers historically used to be really bad when they would steal bird eggs of endangered species and other weird shit. But yes, let's delve into what they do in this episode. Yeah, the so, chaos so, they wrong. So Cody and Frankie are doing some some bird watching. Uh, Cade is there and hates it. Hates it so much. He does. He hates it so much. He's so mad. <laughs> yeah, why and the heck is he here? Why is he paired with Boulder? It's a very weird start. I guess, you know, Boulder is... He's, he's a, perhaps absent-minded enough that he might wander off and do something. So they kind of need a semi-adult here. Well, yes, but why why Cade? Well, indeed, as uh, as when Cade is not paying great attention, 
uh, Cody and Frankie climb up onto this tree with an extremely rickety branch to get a better shot of some I don't know. woodpeckers. I- how do they get up this tree? They're like 50 feet up a tree that doesn't have branches for 40 feet of it. They're monkeys. They're just, they're, they're genetically altered. I, I, I have to assume that like Frankie's dad gave them like some sort of like climbing gloves or something. Ooh, to test. Yes. Should have given them hover boots. <laughs> oh, like in, uh, like in Star Trek five. Yeah. Yes. Jim, I do not understand. Why are they climbing the tree? Life is not a dream. To embrace the tree. To make love to the tree. They got those weird little marshmallow dispensers. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. I mean, I, I definitely can't see somebody... I, somebody make Boulder like a gigantic go-climb-a-rock t-shirt. Oh <laughs> yes. Yes. He's a good boy. And yet, sadly, that that might actually be the best part of Star Trek V. Uh, I don't want... Is that the one with Spock's brother? That's the one with Spock's brother. Well, that then that does end up... What was God with the starship? Oh, that's true. That, that, okay, that's probably the best part. <laughs> so the beginning and the end are okay. The middles... And... Actually, there's a pretty good part what where... What does like, God need with a starship? Bowens is talking about his dad. That's actually pretty good. But DeForest yeah. Kelly sells it. Yeah, there's moments in that, but that movie on its own is not great. Although, still better than most of the Next Generation movies. I don't know. None of those Next Generation movies implies that uh, Scotty and Ahura are boning. Uh, well, she can do way better. Yes, Spock. In the <laughs> reboot movies. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Can you do that much better amongst that original crew? Chekhov, maybe? Yeah, that's fair. The original crew, I mean, you had Kirk, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's Kirk or Spock are the best choice. Well, Sulu, but Sulu's gay. (laughs) Well, not in that movie, because he and Chekhov are, like, creepily lusting after that. uh, That Lady Klingon, oh my. Yes, and in in one of the later (laughs) movies, or in in one of the TV shows, Sulu does have a like a captain one of his kids is a captain or something oh, that's in uh, she turns up in uh, Star Trek or in uh, Generations in that uh, ah. early bit part where like Cameron from Ferris Bueller is uh, the captain <laughs> of the new Enterprise yes and, oh, right. I remember seeing that in the theater <laughs> and being like oh sweet it's Cameron from Ferris Bueller Stay and then off. he promptly gets Captain Kirk killed yes <laughs> yeah. oops uh, well I'm gonna have to uh, try driving this spaceship backwards to reverse the mileage on but my dad's gonna be really mad well, if you drive it backwards around the sun, you could have done that, <laughs> dumbass. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, they get on this rickety branch, and they, it immediately, it's about to crush, well, A, it's about to crush these woodpeckers, and then it's going to hit the ground and they're going to die. Yes. Peril. Uh, yeah. Luckily, peril uh, to start the episode. Boulder manages to uh, power up and energize his, like, foam blaster that kind of pushes them out of the way, and then he catches them before they are... Which was kind of, like, I, I'd forgotten the last time they've used that. Really, yes. it wasn't that long ago, but it was just long enough. It's like, oh yeah, they do that every once in a while to sell toys that came out probably, like, three years earlier. Yeah. So, you know, we're back, at the, we're back at the fires, we're looking at uh, bird photos... Uh, they, can, they can't quite figure out what those woodpeckers are, though. Somebody suggests that they're a red-headed cuckoo, which makes everyone look at uh, Cade. 
Who is also a red-headed cuckoo. Uh, but no, it, it turns out they are gold-crested woodpeckers. Uh, well, the first we- ones they look at are red-headed cuckoos. Yeah. Yes. The second ones they see are a species that is of note. Yes, and be- the, of course they're not in the books, which is uh, Doc Green drops by and recognizes them because they've been thought to be extinct for 40 years. <sighs> and then, of course, he's a list. Islands. This is probably a reference to the ivory-billed woodpecker, which has been intermittent. Like, every couple of years, somebody thinks they see one. But but it's also weird they pick golden-crested woodpecker as the name, because there is a yellow-crested woodpecker that is also known as the gold-crested woodpecker, which is from Africa. Ah. Which isn't endangered. I don't think it's endangered. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the last... uh the last accepted sighting of an ivory-billed woodpecker was in Louisiana in, in 1944. But ah. every couple of years, somebody thinks they see one. Hmm. So, so it's a cryptid woodpecker. It, it's kind of a cryptid. It's like a thylacine, <laughs> much like the thylacine, except obviously much less uh, showy because it's just a bird that looks very similar to many other birds. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so, uh, so, you know, Doc Green is all, listen, this this thing is extinct, but, like, people are, like, crazy for finding old birds, so you, you know, this could attract bird watchers, the absolute scum of the earth, so you guys have to keep this under your hats. Yeah, no one must know. Or they'll come in here and they'll destroy everything. They'll yes. just, they'll wreck everything, just mm-hmm. garbage everywhere, which, I mean, this seems kind of, like, unfair to bird watchers. Yes, it, it is very mean to bird watchers, but as soon as he says no one must know, my brain immediately says, oh, the mayor must not know. Indeed. So this and episode is like, how long do we get until the mayor finds out? And also, you really shouldn't have said no one must know in front of Cade. Who is now just, yeah. like, vibrating. It's like, <laughs> so, so, you know, Boulder and Blades and Chase, they are going to protect these birds, and he is going to oh. not protect these birds because he thinks this is stupid. Yes. Well, also, he, he's training on one of those wooden dummies, which I tried to look up what they're actually called from various kung fu movies like Ip Man. And, and I cannot pronounce what the name is in Chinese because I couldn't find a pronunciation guide for it. And I do not want to take the chance play saying it really badly. But apparently it just translates as wooden post man. Okay. But it's, it's descriptive. That, the log with a few sticks hitting, sticking out of it that you just smack your train maneuvers on. And if, if you've seen a Kung Fu movie, if you've seen like a Steven Seagal movie, you've seen one of these. Yeah. Which heat wave. I mean, I guess they're wood, so he could have just like gotten an entire tree to make himself yes. a robot size. <laughs> so that's fair. Which very much feels like, oh, he, he was watching Kung Fu movies with, with blades, and it's like, I want to make one of those. I feel like between that and, and the last episode where heat waves seem to be potentially aware of something in a movie, I feel like there's something going on after hours. Mm. 
where yeah. bold, where uh, Heat Wave is just like sneakily joining Blades for movie night. Or maybe he's driving out to that uh, drive-in theater. Oh, maybe. maybe. Because maybe. I, I, I mean, I feel that Blades' tastes are too omnivorous. <laughs> like, he, you know, he's watching movies, but he's also watching, like, the trashiest of reality TV shows. Yeah, yes. I mean, he absolutely does. I mean, I guess I could see Boulder, like, checking in on him every night and seeing what's on the schedule and just being like, eh, I don't want to watch that. But then if it's something that's like a Steven Seagal movie, then he's there for it. Yeah, this, uh... Oh. uh th- later in this episode, he mentions watching My Sister the Mob Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Blades. That's such a crazy sounding thing. That's gotta be real. Blades is such a good point. Like, like Mob Wives was a real... It was kind of like, you know, the real housewives of uh, New Jersey. Yeah. I assume it opened with, like, a tinkly elevator music version of Woke (laughs) up this morning Got yourself a gun Okay, and for some reason now my brain wants a ska version of that. Probably is a ska version. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely be uh, covered by a band that called themselves the Scapranos. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <sighs> Why? I mean, or I th- Scott or Scott Scott or Sazy. Oh, I can't enunciate that right. Scasino. Yeah, oh yeah, that works better. James Scandolfini. Ah! Anyway. Scarmella Scaprano. Okay. Anyway. Scarface. So, so you know, they have the, <laughs> the three bots, they go with Cody and Frankie, they go to, to guard these birds and uh, almost totally ruin it in every possible way. So they're like, oh, hey, Can we'll move huddling around the birds so close it's like operation annoy the birds they make things so much worse maybe these birds would like to be prettier around here we'll move these old dry logs out and we'll put in some flower bushes oh no these flowers are full of killer bees (laughs) I didn't say they're killer bees but I I do like the poor concerned looking birds let's play some music for these bees oh no blades is stuck on maximum volume and there's no off switch and it's like pounding techno music (laughs) I would say something about an easy solution to all of this but they come up with it at the end of the episode so I'll leave it be for now (laughs) yes so you know the the chief gets there and he's like uh, hey maybe you guys should find like there's like a a healthy balance between not doing anything and doing everything. <laughs> and wait a minute, where is Cade? Where's Cade? Uh, and you know, the, these birds are trying to learn to fly, so uh, Blades tells them to do what he does. Uh, you know, just just close your do eyes and scream. The, the first <laughs> time that he flew, close his eyes and screamed. <laughs> well, that that is basically how baby birds do it. This episode has a lot of very cute little clever lines to it. Yes. And so meanwhile, back in town, once more, that guy, they've got to take this guy's helipack. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Harrison. 
Like, I don't it's know. Just if, sputtering smoke and breaking down every other time we see it. Like, I don't know if and he's s- bad at driving it or if it just doesn't. It, it just doesn't work very well. <laughs> Either way, this this man is a menace to himself and others. Also, good transition from Blades talking about flying to Mr. Harrison not flying well. Mm. So. You know, he ends up crashing, you know, he ends up making the mayor's car drive into a ditch. And so, you know, Kate and he were pulling this car out. And, of course, they are having to work double duty because everybody else is guarding these birds. And the mayor has no idea what's going on. And, of course, Cade is a little a little loose with the lips here. Yeah, he's not a great liar. Well, the mayor orders him to tell him what's going on, and you must obey the mayor. No, you don't have to obey the mayor. I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Being in trouble is a made-up thing. Or, I don't know, lie. He'll never find out. Come on. Yeah. You're already lying about your space robots. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess Kate is lying about the space robots. Yeah, just say so. you were talking about. I was ta- yeah, I was talking about rare birds, but I was only talking about women because I watched uh, Austin Powers last night, and I'm just kind of <laughs> stuck talking like that, baby. <laughs> just learn constructive lying. So you know, but the mayor's all the mayor's all you know. Don't worry, I won't tell anybody about these uh, these rare birds. Your secret is safe with me. Then immediately calls up that Urkel-looking guy to uh, arrange a press conference. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> immediately calls up calls up Carlton. Mm. The worst case scenario has happened. Worst uh, case scenario part two. He called Huxley. Oh yes, and oh man, it it, it has been a slow news week because Huxley Prescott is desperate for this story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It really is. I listen, listen. My my ratings have been in the tank since uh, Scallop Week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they probably have that too because they have weeks for everything else. <sighs> so many weeks. Listen, and and even those ratings did not attain the heights of my Quahog Week ratings. <laughs> So yeah, there's a, there's a press conference. They're watching it on TV. He announces this woodpecker, and then Huxley he's all, "Well, I couldn't tell you about who found these birds, except it was actually the Burns family." And then <laughs> Prescott calls them while he's on TV, and it's just interrogating them. Yeah, <laughs> on live TV. Just say no comment. Hang up the phone. Yeah. He will not take no comment for an answer. It's like they've never dealt with press before, or never dealt with Huxley before. (laughs) Maybe that's the problem, is they have dealt with him before, and they know that won't work. Yes. He would show up at their door, yes, but that'll be later. He has to drive there. It, It starts out with no comment and hanging up the phone, and then he calls you five more times, and then he's at your doorstep, and then he's breaking into your house. Yeah, you're going to spend like the next month on edge that every pizza delivery man is Huxley Prescott in a wig. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's it's, so it's, it's a it's me easier. Uh, from Prescotto's Pizza. So it's easier to just 
give him as much as you're willing. And it seems that what they're willing to do is put him on the phone to Boulder, who I guess he won't recognize because he's only heard him doing his robot voice. But before well, that... They use the robot voice changer that's a little girl, and then then it's a deeper version of Boulder. And it's well, like, specifically, it is a, it's a deep version of him with uh, heavy breathing. And in the credits, <laughs> they actually call that the Darth Vader voice. Oh, that's what that was... Oh, didn't Sorry. succeed in being that. Uh, this is CNN. Uh, I, I assume the next option on that voice changer was uh, the screamed voice. <laughs> Do you like endangered birds? <laughs> uh, but instead, he's just talking about how beautiful these birds are. But he does not actually tell them. What, he, is, he is superior to Cade because he doesn't actually tell them where they are. Yes, he manages to resist, actually, because Cade is basically like all the mayor had to do was just stare at him. Yes. <laughs> and Boulder is... It's, it's like Marty McFly if you call him chicken. Yes. <laughs> and and while all this is happening, Kate is at a hot dog stand with Danny and probably gets thwacked with a bag of sporting goods. Why, is she, why did she buy so many tennis rackets? Maybe they're putting in tennis courts. Where? With <laughs> the Hot Wheels track? All right, next to the Hot Wheels track, obviously. Well, yeah, but between the Hot Wheels track and the, and the basketball court, you can put a little tennis court yeah. there, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's like this was written to have Danny have a bunch of shopping bags, and someone was like, come on, let's not be like women be shopping. <laughs> and so they had them be from a sports store and full of tennis rackets. Yes. But she does smack Kate on the back of the head with one, which is entirely justified. Yes. Well, it well, was written by Garrick. He wanted to put fashion into it. It's his passion. <laughs> he is, he is, he is Somebody but just a humble, had to punch it up later. He is but a humble tailor. Yeah. Yes. And then, indeed, this this uh, this town is now besieged with out-of-town birdwatchers, one of whom is from Ohio, but does not have an Ohio accent. Yeah, he, the, like, he's the extremely, so like, menis- like, ridiculous Minnesota He sounds like accent. Jesse Ventura. He does. Or, or like, Edie, Edie McClurg. I guess that's what it was. When I first heard it, I thought it was like... Like someone aiming for a Canadian accent and missing by a little bit, which um, I guess. I mean, is I Minnesota. guess. Yeah, it could be someone who is currently from Ohio, but that is definitely not an Ohio accent. I mean, they're just going for Midwestern, but that's not really what Ohioans sound like. Yeah, if they said no, like Wisconsin, it was very maybe, upper Midwest. It's like, oh gee, gosh, you guys see the Vikings this week, huh? Yes. Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't even know what an Ohio accent would really sound like. It doesn't uh, sound like much of anything. It's right there in the middle where everything is just sort of standardized and boring. Yeah, because it, it's not like a strong New York or Jersey or even Pennsylvania. Accent, yeah, no, the, the, Connecticut. But. This guy escaped from the set of Fargo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, is uh, anybody see that uh, that tan Sierra around here? Huh. Oh, hey, dear. Oh, where, where are the birds at? I want to go find them. Eh? Oh, you know, he was, he was he was funny looking. More so than most people, even. <laughs> so, yeah, I just said, I'm, I'm going crazy out there at the lake, you know, if you know what I mean. Not, not an Ohio accent at all, but <laughs> okay. Uh, not even up in Toledo? 
So you know this this town is just filling up with these these filthy hate filled bird watchers. <laughs> it, it is weird that bird watchers are the great villain of this episode, but it did some music. It is kind of weird. It, it's I like, mean, it's like that's the that's what they're they're like cut villains from an episode of Captain Planet. I mean, I can understand. Like, I don't know most bird people that I'm familiar with are conservationists, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, the worst that it's happened was I met one who uh, like didn't bathe for a couple of weeks in advance of going bird watching on the grounds that the birds <laughs> would like detect its deodorant or something. Uh-huh. But, Dude, uh huh. Dude, they're gonna detect other things. Oh, oh I'll tell you, I sure detected something. <laughs> It it did uh it does remind me a little of when uh when the pandemic started and everybody started doing more national park stuff and they had several incidents of having to rescue people from old rag, which is a very popular hiking trail here, but it's a hiking trail that's like you need to be prepared. Like it's eight <laughs> miles up a mountain and back, and people were like Oh hey, let's go out and do. Let's go to Shenandoah. What's a good trail to do? And they're just like in their flip flops, and <laughs> oh, they oh. had to have people like go and stay with them overnight to help them keep warm until they could be rescued by helicopter the next morning. <laughs> like people were going up there extremely unprepared. So I, I could see it being like that. Like, people are like, oh, let's go see the endangered birds and not being prepared for any of what any of that implies. <laughs> Leave no trace, people. Leave no trace. That's right. Uh, uh. I, I, okay, admittedly, I haven't been to the na- national parks that are really, or state parks that are close to me that much. But oh my God, that makes me laugh because um, last time I did go, I spent most of my time there collecting cans to recycle. <laughs> Listen, t- yeah. take only photographs, leave only footprints. Yes. Take some beers, leave lots of beers. <laughs> Admittedly, it's probably mostly like, I don't know, snowmobilers and teenagers, but... Shenandoah has a fairly steep entrance cost, so mm. generally the people who are up there are fairly respectful, but Old Rag does have uh, external uh, entrance, so uh. you don't have to go through the gate and pay your $50. You're supposed mm. to, but you can get away with not doing it. Mm. And so, yeah, that was people just from D.C. being like, oh, hey, let's go up to the mountains, take a hike. This is a popular trail. I'll go in my flip-flops and shorts and set off at 2 p.m. in September. Get frozen in the middle of the night. Yeah. Covered in ticks. I don't think anyone actually died doing that, but they definitely like had to post about it on Facebook. <laughs> like, please stop making us rescue you from old rag. Uh, so, you know, so Kate's just on a date. Uh, he is accosted by the mayor and Huxley Prescott and this this slavering horde of bird watchers. <laughs> And, you know, they're, they're trying, you know, his family's trying to call him to get him to not say anything. Of course, he doesn't know anything about the birds. Well, you know, they've, uh, it's a bird. It's, it's got wings. Um, and they peck wood. <laughs> so he hears. He's heard. They peck and wood. And then, of course, he lets them know that they're in Blossom Vale. 
So, of course, the beer immediately announces. All they really have to do is just stare at him hard enough, and he just talks. Yes. So he immediately announces the Woodpecker Wonderland Luxury Campgrounds at Blossom Vale. (sighs) And then people are just stampeding into this place like it's it's a mad, 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 mad world. (laughs) Like one, like the helipack guy is there. Somebody, this Ohioan guy tries to get the there via glider. hang glider. What the hell? Yes, and Blades has to. Well, Danny and Blades have to inform everybody that if you are not a bird, this is a no-fly zone. Yes, uh, Huxley tries to sneak in disguised put as a tree. A, put out a TFR. Let people know there's temporary flight restriction over this park. <laughs> At least Huxley is thwarted by gas skunk. Yeah, (laughs) skunks don't really, like, just... They don't just leave a trail of scent. They specifically do it when they're threatened. I mean, I guess it's possible they realize this is not a tree, but a guy in a tree costume. Yeah. Possibly, but yeah, it's not like they just pass gas. It's like they are threatened and do this as a defensive Mm -hmm. mechanism. If you're just standing there, they won't do anything. I'm sure everyone has seen that cute video of someone out on a bike ride and a family of skunks walk up to them, sniff them, and walk away. Aw, they're cute. So adorable. And, and they're non-threatening to me. Yes. <laughs> and and Doc, you know, Doc Green is monitoring these birds. Notice, uh, watches them uh, uh, feed them a bunch of worms. Uh, they, you know, feed their young some worms. And he's all, you know, this uh, those worms remind me that it's lunchtime, and I have a strange craving for spaghetti. <laughs> okay, oh. Doc Green. Sure. Okay. He's a, he's a big fan of that one scene in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> oh no! Now it is worms. I wonder if there are any skunks around here. I could train an army. Ooh. I mean, we definitely have skunks around here. There was a skunk. I mean, theoretically there should be, but I don't think I've ever seen one. There's occasionally a skunk hanging out near the walking trail around where I work. And I previously had a co-worker who is not there anymore. But she was just terrified that they were just going to randomly spray her. And I was just like, you've never lived in a non-urban area, have you? They, they did get my previous dog once. Aw, well, dogs are threatening. Yes. Yeah. And luckily, I was we, we were able to find a pretty decent de-skunking shampoo recipe online. My parents' it's big dog tomatoes. has my parents' big dog has absolutely been skunked before. So. Oh, I think maybe one of the neighbors' dogs was skunked. That was like a decade ago. Well, well dogs are threatening. Yes, and they're big dogs. <clears throat> Anyway, so so unfortunately, even they, they're doing their best to keep everybody out. But then uh, Mr. Alper, the, the Carlton Banks-looking guy, uh, comes in with a court order that forces them to let everybody in. Who is appointing judges to their courts? Because that is not an appropriate thing to do with endangered species. I mean, it's... Waves it, hands at the mayor. Yeah, it's 100% the mayor. <laughs> it, the, the judge is definitely, like... Somebody extreme. It's probably like uh, Ted Knight from Caddyshack. <laughs> well, you, I've, I've sentenced boys to the gas chamber, you know. Didn't want to, but I, I felt I owed it to them. <laughs> that, that is absolutely the kind of judge that he has appointed. Yeah. <laughs> that or a nephew. Also possible, like a totally incompetent nephew. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they need to 
you know, try criminals or anything. Yeah, it's true. No, they only have three and a half. He, yeah, he he just gets calls in to, to sentence those druids every now and then until they escape the next time. Oh. Yes. So, of course, the I I think you have some idea. You have the right idea. That these people don't really know what they're doing. Like these are not experienced campers or bird watchers. Because one guy just totally ends up setting an enormous fire. How dry is it that all of this stuff is just going up immediately? What's well, a forest? You know, shit happens. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's it's possible that uh, it's one of those forests that's sort of been overmanaged, where they keep uh, stopping fires from occurring naturally. Which leads to a, a whole it's bunch of dry up. stuff building up, so that when eventually a fire does start, it's just a, a a gigantic conflagration. That is possible. They do manage burns where I tend to camp, so. <laughs> you know, thankfully the woods around me hasn't burned in a while, but I guess the state people probably check shit every once in a while, but it's not like they're cleaning up pine needles. Anyway, they... Someone was watching the fire, and it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, I'm that just was... picturing that like meme of that little girl watching that house fire. <laughs> yeah, that was a heck of a stack of firewood that guy had it that the fire was jumped to. a really to. big stack. So yeah, now everything is on fire. Everything yes. is literally on fire. All of their Tents are going up, and absolutely your tent should be made of material that will not suddenly catch fire the moment a little bit of embers fall on it. But apparently they got their tents at the discount tent store. Not a fire-retardant tent. Blossom Vale has blossomed into our inferno! (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, Of of course, Jen is our uh, camping expert. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Because I've been camping. Yes. More recently than any we have, yeah. Yeah, this is this is bad. These people should not be there's so much <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, my my camping experience is like some, but like the last time I was camping in a tent was on the Jersey shore on the beach. <laughs> well, on a house next to the beach, but yeah. <laughs> it's been a while and there were no trees in sight. Well, uh, I assume there your only problem is that you have to keep your food secure, or like a guy with really bad uh, spray tan might uh, go after it. <laughs> yeah, no actual bears, just bears. You you have to bury <laughs> your beer, or it will be disturbed <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah, just just you'll you'll, you'll find some dude who looks like James Gandolfini digging it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this fire spreads shockingly quick. Oh, this, yeah. this place was ready to go up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are able to save everybody, and but unfortunately, uh, you know, Boulder's like, well, at least we at least we saved the woodpeckers, and then they're all, uh, yeah, the woodpeckers are gone. Uh, about that. Yeah, we cut to a shot of the, the little hole in the tree they've been living up in, and there, there's this little golden tuft hanging out, which is just their bedding. Not one of their heads, like I first thought. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, are they going there? Oh no, that that's just straw. It, it, it does make me think of uh, the end of that uh, Generation 1 episode, uh, The Golden Lagoon. Yes. Yeah, very much. This is like we won. Sort of a half remake of that, to a degree. In that, oh, you find this magical place with animals, and and then everyone shows up and it goes to crap. 
and the forest is on fire. Yeah, but that's because people are actually fighting, not because people are extremely inept campers. <laughs> well, yes, it, it, it's different. In I mean, that's just a more action-heavy show. You should yeah. always, if you start your campfire, before you start your campfire, you should be prepared to put your campfire out. Go get your bucket of water first, and then start the campfire. But the pro golden lagoon, golden woodpecker, bird watchers, Decepticons. <laughs> there's obvious parallels here. I mean, they're just as evil. <laughs> and I assume the bird watchers are also like constantly betraying each other. <laughs> oh, I'm sure because they have to get a look at the bird. And well, I guess as soon as you see the bird, you have to like then scare it away so the other bird watchers can't see it as well. Yes, I think that's what that that Steve Martin movie's about. It's a competition. Everyone knows it's a competition. Was that like Steve Martin, Jack Black, or something? I have no idea what you're talking it's, about. Uh, it's, it's, what is it? A good? Is it a? It, there's definitely like a Steve Martin bird watching movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a Steve Martin movie in a long time. Okay, oh, the big year. The big year. Huh. Uh, Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson. Hmm. Don't remember that at all. I mean, I my understanding is it wasn't great because it's a movie about bird watching. Oh yeah. Anyway, so uh, but hey, you know we're all back at the firehouse. You know everybody's sad about these birds, but uh, no, Doc Green drops by. He's got good news, everybody. I I I tagged the woodpeckers and they just moved over to the next valley. Yes, good job. Yeah, so so you know, this time they they work with the mayor to establish a a bird sanctuary that is uh, the the Lusky Bird Sanctuary. Of course. <laughs> and it it will be open to people, but only a few at a time. So we're only going to let a few of you filthy. <laughs> monstrous bird watchers in at a time so you can only release a a small amount of your pollutants. <laughs> so the the risk of you all burning down the forest is a little lower. I yes. I would like to note that coincidentally old rag within the last couple of years has also implemented a a ticketing policy so that you have to have uh you have to register in advance. Mm, so that, that they makes can sense. control, so that they can control how many people are are using the trail in a day, mm-hmm. because but, too many people were using it. But uh, but good news for people who can't make it. They've instituted one of Jen's favorite pieces of technology: the bird webcam. Yay! Oh, it's the best. I love a good bird web. I love bird webcam season. Uh, I I find that uh, red-tailed hawks have like the the perfect like adorable babies, just like the perfect ratio of head size to eyes to body size. Uh, and Cornell has Cornell University has a a red-tailed hawk uh, nest cam. As long as you are okay with occasionally seeing an eviscerated chipmunk. Then it's <laughs> yes. the funny thing is they and I was very sad about this, but I guess I understand is they've actually blocked them at work. Oh, <laughs> they blocked them at the work fi- the the firewall at work, and I assume it's because you know sometimes they get a little bit grisly and 
probably people didn't want other people having that just running on their screens and seeing it over their shoulders and being like, that sure is an eviscerated chipmunk. They're going to insist that you only look at, uh, like, songbird cams. Yeah, and actually baby songbirds are... They're just bringing, like, bugs. Super ugly. This is true. They are hideous. Yes. Baby ravens are also really ugly, except then they suddenly start looking like adult ravens, except they still act like babies, so it just feels like they really need to go get a job. So... But yes, I I love some some nest camps. Uh, we are a couple months from that being in season. It's it's very exciting. Seeing all the baby birds. <laughs> so yes, people will get to go to a website and see these baby woodpeckers, and they can keep them safe. All right, so that is the episode. Uh, I I enjoyed this one. Well, well, there's also Blades finding out the human heart is movable and being existentially frightened. <laughs> and at the very end, Boulder becomes a Disney princess as the birds fly around him. Yep, they're just landing on his head. Pecking yes. on it. Just pecking on his head. I mean, he also kind of had, like, sort of a flower crown on this. Like, he just got back from a uh, from a Lana Del Rey concert or something. <laughs> Oh, and at the beginning of the episode, he was using his eyes as cameras. Has that happened before? I'm not sure if it has. Yeah, I don't know that they've showed it like that. Like, his his eyes actually do a little, like, camera click sort of thing. And then later, he's showing pictures that were clearly taken at that time. So, yeah, mm. I don't think they've had them do that before, but it's cute. Yeah, it's uh, you know I I enjoyed this one. You know it, it's uh, perhaps not as perilous as uh, some episodes, but uh, I'm, I'm just glad that somebody is willing to speak the truth about the menace of bird watchers. <laughs> yes, Boulder will speak for the trees. And I mean the woodpeckers. <laughs> well, the woodpeckers live in the trees. Yes. And in fact, actually, it would help if they have some trees that aren't so healthy because woodpeckers traditionally eat. Like insects that live in rotting wood. Yeah. Hence the pecking. Yeah. They also have much longer tongues than you're thinking. It's kind of horrifying. It's a little weird. It's like they're like venom. It's a little weird. But yeah, it was it was it was a fun episode. Like I said, there were a lot of sort of like back when we watched Triple Takeover, how there were just all these really good lines and this mm-hmm. had some good lines. I, yes. I like Blades talking about when he learned to fly. <laughs> I like that if you just stare at Cade for long enough, he will answer all your questions <laughs> because he can't stop himself. He may break under questioning. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, very, very low stakes. I'm a little dubious of the light in which they... They paint bird watchers, but okay, I'm not really involved much in the bird watching community, so I can't really speak to whether they're like the Hot Wheels collectors of conference <laughs> conservationists. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Hot Wheels collectors, man. Yeah. It's entirely. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, it says like when you know, like a bunch of Transformers fans show up and like. You know, Walmart managers go, oh, thank God, they're just here for the Transformers. 
<laughs> not Hot Wheels collectors. And we and we've been to conventions entirely full of Transformers collectors. We know that they are a rowdy breed. Yeah, let's say. a rowdy well, and sometimes least... unwashed breed. Yes, but at least well, we're that's not Hot any Wheels convention. Sad. Yeah, that's true. So for all I know, bird watchers are the Hot Wheels collection collectors of outdoor appreciators. Uh, but it's 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 kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that this had some birds in it yes. and baby birds, and bird cams. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch bird cams, guys. You got a couple months. Uh, Cornell's red-tailed hawks are very good. Uh, I don't think the Raven Cam is operating anymore. That was just for a couple years, a few years ago. Uh, baby Ravens are, are hideous, uh, but I love them. Maybe they have one at the Tower of London. Maybe. I should see. I know they're they're very, like, I don't know that they have them, like, naturally breeding so much mm. as they just sort of selectively breed them sometimes. Mm. But, uh, but yeah. It's definitely, there's usually some good Osprey cams out there. Ospreys have pretty cute babies. Mm. Uh, there were some falcons back when I was in Columbus that were actually in one of the buildings, one of the skyscrapers downtown. Uh, so that was, that was fun because they were just like over there. <laughs> but uh, definitely strongly recommend bird cams. All right. So I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes, this week on one, two, three, four, five, five man, the cute liar. Oh, we have more lying in this episode. Oh, is, is this episode about me? <laughs> no, it's about Kate. <laughs> oh. Wait, you lied? What have you been lying to us about, Rob? Well, you'll never know. Is your name even Rob? You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh... This week, the monster of the week is a bat monster, which I posted pictures. It, it looks sort of like a gremlin bat with tusks and a part skeleton. And it has these giant eyebrows that anytime it talks, they, they move. But it's not like they're moving up and down. They're sort of like more like windshield wipers mm-hmm. moving towards the middle. It, it's odd, but it's kind of a cool design. It's just slightly stupid. Anyway, it opens with a little girl lying about knowing the rangers. Oh, I know the rangers. I hang out with them all the time. I know where their base is. And then she wanders off from the other kids who do not believe her at all. And the bat monster shows up. It's like, where is their base? It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Do they stare at her until she gets uncomfortable and tells them everything? (laughs) Like Cade. Oh, well, kind of. That sort of does happen because she... the bad guys are taking her out. It's like, where is this? It's like, this lake here. And then they're, they're pissed off. It's like, no, there's no rangers here. I looked in the lake because the bat monster somehow can see through water. And he's not, why, why not a fish monster? They could see whatever. Anyway, but, but it turns out that the black ranger is fishing at this lake they're at. And he encounters them and, and rescues the little girl. And then the bad guys are like, oh yeah, they're definitely around here because the Black Ranger was here. We're close. <laughs> we just have to find that little girl somehow. And, and then the rangers bring her into the into their base. 
to make sure she's okay. And, and then they're discussing, why were the monsters after her? What's this thing? And, and But then she escapes from their little medical bay and wanders around their base on her own, causing chaos, thinking and talking to herself, and sets off an alarm. But this bat monster has giant ears, so he can hear the alarm miles away, underwater, underground. Sure. Starts leading towards there. And it's a series of the rangers finding the girl, her escaping. Like, one time she gets into their giant van that becomes uh, like the legs of the robot drives that outside and, and the, the bad guys hear that and they're chasing after and they put a track they put a spider tracker on the little girl <laughs> which means that they are leading into the base and, and then the rangers find the but the little girl's not talking when they bring her back to the base but then they find the tracker on it's like aha she's a spy but then she doesn't say anything. She runs away again into the base, and it's, it's craziness. And the bad guys are getting closer and closer to where the base is. Mm-hmm. And the little girl, after being shut up for a while, it's like runs away again, and then they catch her, and it's like, oh no, I have amnesia. I don't remember anything. As she walks toward the camera, and all the rangers are staring like this is an after-school special mm-hmm. about lying. <laughs> um, don't lie, kids. Yes, and hot chip and lie. There's just so much of this running around, and oh, and then she runs away a third or fourth time, gets outside, and then the bad guys find her again, and and they're like, "Little girl, where is the base?" And she starts to point and points in the other direction, and then the bad guys just run in that direction without taking her with them. <laughs> And then the rangers are like, thank you, little girl. And she's like, oh, I'm crying. No, I'm never going to lie again. Even though I've lied this entire episode. And me lying just now kind of saved my ass because the bad guys went that way, the wrong way. And and then the rangers just morph and beat the shit out of the bad guys. Which should convince the villains even more that the ranger base is really fucking close. We're almost there. We're within like a mile we're so close, we just have to keep wandering and exploring and, I don't know, drop some bombs in this area and we can take them out. <laughs> but it's the bat monster fighting the rangers. He he does get his butt kicked and, and he starts sparkling and exploding and he's about to glow up. And then, uh, oh, what's the villain lady's name? Oh, Doldora, who's smirking in quotation blocks in the subs. She's she's like calling for the, their giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man robot thing, which at the end of every episode absorbs the monster of the week to become a giant monster, and and it's like hurry up, Stay Puff, hurry, get here quicker. He's about to explode and die, and and the bats just keep sparkling, and then the giant Stay Puff robot trips and falls, falls it knocks itself unconscious. And then the bat explodes. <laughs> and there's no giant robot fight. <laughs> because of that. And, and then there's just some weird lines from the side characters. Like the, the egg lady is like, oh, it, well, sometimes that happens. And Doldora just gives her a weird looks like, the fuck? No, it doesn't. But it did. <laughs> it's just, oh, I, I gotta find the clip of that to show you guys of that. It's just. 
such a weird way to end a packed episode. It's like, no, there's jo- no giant robot fight because giant robot pratfall. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's a good, weird episode about lying, which is really odd that it ties into Cade not being good at lying in this episode. If he'd had a, only had a small girl with her, he could have lied his way out of his troubles, and then the forest wouldn't have been burned to the ground. <laughs> Silly episode, fun episode. Yes. All right. So that that does it for us for this week. We'll be back with more rescue bots next week. Uh, until then, though, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash Iacon Underground. Uh, for January, we watched everyone's favorite Charlie Brown superhero in One Punch Man, uh, just the first episode. And for February, we will be watching uh, everyone's favorite mostly naked waterman in Wakanda Forever. Uh, that is coming to streaming just in time for Black History Month. Which That's is cool. right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking a lot about Shuri. I'm gonna be talking a lot about Shuri and gender and how no straight character can have that little chemistry with Namor. <laughs> and I will mostly be talking about Atuma. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. He needs be- more attention. Because whenever I see a character that's not him on screen, I say it's not Atuma. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm looking forward to watching it again because still I, I have maintained that the only movies I go see in theaters right now are Marvel movies, but <laughs> I do like to see them again on streaming in, in my own home where I'm not worrying about like what the person next to me is doing. So because the person next to me is a cat and what they're doing <laughs> is trying to climb directly onto my chest. So that's fine. Uh, so, so you join us next week in which uh, there is something else Transformers related called More Than Meets the Eye. What? what? That is the name of the episode. Huh. It's another one. Chalk another one up to the disambiguation page. Although this one will, this one, unlike most others, features Cree Summer and magic. Ooh. Yeah. I do like Cree Summer. She was also in the this uh, what we do in the shadows series. Oh, that's right. Yes, she's that like an actual on screen role and not just a voice role. Well, I think she was on another world or something. I want to say. Anyway, and she's in a bunch. She was in a bunch of Canadian stuff because she's Canadian. No. All right. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. <laughs>